Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we can start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option. And I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test and then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me because I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this should being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that Today's guest is David. I had so much fun chatting with him. We actually connected on LinkedIn. It was so cool to finally get to talk to him in person, see his face over Zoom. So, so much fun. David has been a copywriter for seven years, but a storyteller since before he could write. His childhood love for storytelling eventually led him to attend the Chicago Portfolio School to begin crafting videos, print ads, social media ideas, and branding concepts for global brands, including Funjet Vacations, Briggs & Stratton, InSync Raider and Land's End. After years of working for different advertising agencies and companies, he started his own business so he could better partner with outside the box 
brands to help them simplify their message and tell the right story to the right audience. We go into so many incredible things in this interview from if he was to start a new brand today, what he would be doing. We go into how to tell a good story. We go into what good brands are able to do through their messaging and advertising, how they make you feel some of his favorite brands to watch. We also go into his getting furloughed story, his car accident that changed his life, how to celebrate yourself and how to believe in your own successes. We go into separating business and personal. Is that something that's actually possible? And so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, David, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. Yeah. So I've had a lot of jobs and maybe some of the people listening can also kind of relate to that to some degree, but I think I had 10 different jobs over the course of my twenties where I just was constantly just looking for what I wanted to do and where I was trying to land. And I graduated with a degree in advertising and a minor in sociology in 2011 and just thought I'd be able to jump right in and find a job. I wanted to do creative writing, work for an ad agency. I just thought it was going to be super easy because of course I had a college degree. So I knew exactly what I wanted to do and everyone was going to want to hire me. And it did not work out that way. I remember I walked into my first interview for one of these creative ad agencies. I was wearing a three-piece suit and I had a briefcase my dad loaned me. And I walked into this interview and the guy looked at me and he said, what are you, a banker? And that set the tone for the interview. And as you can imagine, it did not end up with the job for a creative writer. And from there, I just was like jumping from job to job, doing internships, jumping uh, from one job to the next, different cities. I was in Milwaukee. I was in Chicago. I was in Madison. I was just trying to find these jobs. Ended up living in Madison for a while for an internship. Tried to find this other job. Ended up totaling my car. I was on the highway. I got sideswiped by this car, this truck with a trailer on it. Lost control. Ended up T-boning a police officer that was on the side of the road. Totaled my car and just ended up moving home, working at a coffee shop and just looking at the ceiling. I remember one night just being like, what am I doing? What, where am I going wrong? Why do I keep jumping from job to job and nothing seems to be sticking? I feel like I'm doing all the right things. I am working hard and I just feel like nothing is working. Ended up moving to Chicago. This was like 2014. Moved to Chicago, lived in my parents' friend's basement for the year, going to Chicago Portfolio School, putting together my work, really wanting to get into creative writing. And the reason I did that is because somebody was really honest with me and just said, this work isn't good enough to get you a job. You've got to go to portfolio school. And so I was just willing to put in that work. And then from there, I mean, it was just, it was just job to job for years. I mean, I could, I could get into it even further, but it's just been constantly just kind of the ad world that you live in where you're, you're just kind of looking for the next, the next gig whenever you can. Mm. And jumping from job to job, did you ever feel like the sense of like the sense of not being grounded, like the sense of kind of like, just kind of wandering everywhere? Like, did you ever feel like the sense of unsafety, like going from job to job to job? Or what's something that kept you grounded, even though you were going from, you know, all those different jobs? Yeah, so I definitely, I've just felt like I was in the wind, you know, and was just looking for something secure because I think, and maybe a lot of people feel this way. I think I felt like when I graduated college, I just thought I was going to find a job pretty easy. And I think that was kind of set up by my own parents and the way that they did their jobs where they graduated. My dad maybe had two or three jobs his whole life that he had for decades. And so I just kind of expected that would happen for me. And 
I did kind of feel a little ungrounded. I think my family really kept me grounded. My faith, I'm a Christian, so I was very much grounded in that as well, which kind of helped me have that perspective on things because otherwise I definitely would have just, I, like I said, I was still staring at my ceiling being like, what is what is this life? But I think it helped me to have those perspectives from family and friends and faith. And did you ever question like, should I be in the marketing industry or should I stay with this or should I just change this and just go in a completely different route? Because it seems like it's just shifting all over oh yeah place. I mean self-doubts all day right like you could I mean I could have done this amazing campaign and just been praised all day and then the next day I could have one negative setback and I'd be like what am I doing I can't believe I even I'm considering staying in this industry you know and I think it's just kind of growing that thick skin is so important because you have to be confident in yourself and in your abilities and know that you can do it because I fell into a trap early on of just listening to everyone else around me and letting their opinions sway my self-worth and my dreams for myself. Because if anyone would question me, either if it was a job interview that didn't go well, or if it was a boss that fired me, I would just start questioning everything. And I think I wasn't alone in that. Obviously, I've, I've, I've listened to your podcast. I've heard a lot of other people who've expressed that view. And it's a really hard place to be. And so finding that self-confidence is hard, but it's important mm. because otherwise you'll just be in the wind. Mm. I'd love to go back to your car accident. I feel like car accidents are kind of like wake up calls from the universe. So is there something you learned in yours or something that came out of yours that you took away from it? Yeah. So at the time I was working, well, I had been working an internship and had kind of been somewhat fired from that. And wasn't working for a couple months, was running out of money. I was driving home with my brother from between Milwaukee and Madison and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I got offered, kind of got offered a job as a, a store manager at a family video. And I just wasn't really sure that that was even something that I wanted to do and was driving home. And when that happened and, you know, I totaled my car, I wasn't injured at all. There was no other cars anywhere. And just the odds that we hit that police cars, there's a ditch right on the side of the road. So if we that car hadn't been there, we would have totally flipped over, probably had serious injuries. I don't know what would have happened. So it was a huge blessing. And like I said, my faith is important to me. And so I feel like that was a God moment. Or if you want to say the universe, I do think that that was a huge moment and it helped me recognize, look, I can't continue on this course of action that I'm in right now. I can't just keep floating. I need to do something. And that's what propelled me to save money, work, you know, live at home for a little bit, save money, and then go to this portfolio school. Because up until that point, I kept thinking, I can just do it. I can make it happen. If I just work hard enough, if I just find the right breaks. And, and some people, that's true. But I realized for me, that was the wake-up call where I said, I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I don't have a car. I feel like I have nothing right now. And I don't know what I really want to do. And every time I go to an interview, they tell me, this, this book isn't going to get you where you need to go. And so that was a wake up call to, to take that step and to take out the loan and to go live in a basement for a year of my, my family's friends and just make it work. And how do you not let that discourage you? Like let that setback, you have to go back home, you have to change course. Like how do you not let that become your story? How do you not let that deter you from the course that you knew was possible for you, but you couldn't necessarily see it at that time? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I've, I've often asked that question myself because- you know, I think we, we can all fall into the comparison game. So I think I'd often say like, oh, my life isn't as hard as, as these people or like, oh, I got all these great things. And so, you know, my life's been pretty easy. And I think in some ways you can have that positive perspective. But I think there are other times when my parents kind of remind me 
of a time in my life where they're like, you didn't have a car, you didn't have any money. Like literally all I had was my parents. Like if I didn't have them, like, I don't know what I would have done because of their, their encouragement and their, they, you know, they let me move home and pay rent, cheaper rent than somewhere else. But they gave me that encouragement to try and continue going. So to answer your question, I just think there's that moment and you talked about the catalyst moment, right? Where I think we all have to dig deep inside of ourselves and we have to make a decision where it's really just, am I really going to give up? Am I going to quit or am I going to keep moving forward? And I, you know, that's something that I've often reflected back on that time when you're sitting there and you're like kind of a near death situation. I mean, everything was fine, but if, you know, a car hadn't been there, who knows what would have happened. It it makes you determine what do I want my life to be? Like, and how am I going to get there? And am I willing to work at it? Because I think a big struggle I've had in my life is I'm always looking for like, okay, I don't want, I want what's going to come easy, you know, especially up until that point, it was like, I just want things to kind of fall into place the way I expect them to. And when you realize that's not going to happen without a little extra effort, then that's what pushes you to dig deep and find something in yourself that you may not have even known you known you had until you were forced to, to go there. Mm. I'd love to go deeper into like, you know, you get the degree, you get out of college, you think you're magically going to get the job that you want and everything's kind of going to fall into line and yeah. it's going to be perfect, right? So I think a lot of us have that idea of it's going to be perfect. The first job's going to be the one. We're going to fall in love with this job. <laughs> like we have a certain idea of how it's all going to play out. And sometimes I'm not actually... the only one. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it actually takes a couple jobs. You know, the first one's not a good fit. You got to try a couple others. But like for someone who's maybe trying to secure that first job, and that first job's not showing up for them or it's not coming in the way they want and they have to take a less job or they have to get an unpaid position or they have to find another way to get into that position. What advice would you give them when they're dealing with that discouragement and when you're dealing with, am I ever going to get the job? Yeah. Yeah, that is a really hard. That's really hard because I feel like, I mean, I was there and I know I've talked to people. So we, we connected on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And so it's a great community of people. And I would encourage anybody to, get more connected on LinkedIn. I think Mm -hmm. that is a great place to get connected. Um, I was talking to someone else, another um, young woman who I think she's just graduated college. And so she wants to be a Disney. She wants to work for Disney as like an animator. Mm -hmm. And so I encouraged her to start following people that she admired on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. to start commenting on their content, to start engaging with it, to start maybe at some point, maybe even try to connect with them and send them a message and just ask for like an informational interview, say, Hey, how did you get to where you're at? Is there any opportunities? I'd love to be able to, you know, show you some of the stuff that I've been doing. I think it's the long game of building relationships Mm -hmm. with people. So if you have a dream job that you want to follow, I think it's easier now than ever to find connections to help you get there because prior to, you know, LinkedIn and the internet really just, you had to know somebody who knew someone. And now you can kind of, you can be the one who knows that person because Mm -hmm. you can connect with them on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook. And I know they probably have a lot of followers. And so it's going to be hard to get that attention right away. But I think if you're consistent and you are relatable, you can find those connections with the right people. It may not be, you know, Kim Kardashian may not message you back, but there's going to be people who are going to be willing to help you because they were there too. So anytime somebody reaches out to me and asks me for advice on branding or on marketing, I try to always take the time to chat with them about it because I needed the help. And so I think anyone out there, I just encourage you to just keep reaching out to people and someone is going to reach out right back to you and give you that encouragement that you need. Yeah. I've been seeing so many posts on LinkedIn about it, about you don't have the experience or you can't get this job yet. Or so that's what made me think of that. It was just your story. And then seeing all those posts and I was like, oh, wow, like this is like a really, 
I've never talked about it on the podcast either, like about right. what happens when you want the job and you don't get the job, <laughs> like what happens yeah. when you're going through like hundreds of interviews and none of them are working out. But I feel and like I think there's, a, yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with like, I don't think there's anything wrong with living in your parents' basement and working at a coffee shop. If you have the vision and the goals in mind, I think that the, this negative perception that exists out there of like millennials or even people younger than that, who are doing that, I think it's because they don't have a drive. That's their ambition. That's the stereotype. It's like, that's all they want out of life. They just want to live there and they are content with like working in a coffee shop. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if you have an ambition to go beyond that, I think it's okay to be wherever you're at right now. It's okay to be doing that and to continue saying, I'm going to keep connecting, keep working on the side, keep hustling. I'm going to have a side gig. I'm going to go to networking events. I'm going to reach out to people on, on social media. That is, that's great. That shows that you're a hard worker and that you're determined. Like I think anyone who tells you or tries to speak down to you for wherever you're at in your job search or in your job life, you need to be, that's like what you talked about, right? Like is mm-hmm. this idea of you need to believe in yourself enough to say, it's going to be okay. Even if your parents don't believe in you, you know, or even if your friends don't believe in you, like, that's why you have to believe in yourself. And I know that's such a cliche, right? We've heard that so many times, but, but that is, that's, what's going to drive you. Like you can't rely on other people to constantly give you that encouragement. It's great when they do. And I was very fortunate to have it, but if you don't, then you can't just give up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to know, was there a specific company or a specific brand or was there some sort of moment that you're like, I really want to be in marketing. I really want to be in branding. Was there something that just called out to you that like, I really want to do this? Yeah. So when I was a kid growing up, I did not have cable. And so I spent my summers watching like PBS shows and telemarketing uh, that was on during the day. And as, as crazy as it sounds, I was always fascinated, even as like a five, six, seven year old with these infomercials and the way that they just used excitement and energy and cre- sometimes creative product placement ideas to sell this product. And I just was captivated by it. And I know it sounds kind of strange, but I always was interested in that. And so from a young age, I would try to sell these products to my parents. And so I would bring up like whatever thing I had, if it was string cheese or juice box, and I would say like juicy juice, like da, 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 da. And I'd like create these little ads that I would sell to my mom for whatever was going on. And so I think from that age, I was just always fascinated with persuasion and I love communicating and my minor was sociology. My, my major was advertising. And so understanding people, how they interact, how they think, and then being able to communicate to them in a clear way. It's, it's about persuasion. That's advertising. It shouldn't be, I know, I know it's got a bad rap, right? But ultimately it should be positive persuasion because it can be positive. It can be like, that's a product that's actually going to improve your life that you really need. And those are the kind of companies and products I try to work for and have been fortunate to be able to work for because, you know, obviously it gets a bad rap because of manipulating that into more of a um, emotional manipulation versus a positive persuasion. Mm. And what are some companies that like you really think are killing it right now in terms of branding, in terms of marketing? I've, I've always loved Geico just because they took something really boring like insurance and they made people tell everyone to be quiet and listen to the commercial. So that's huge because getting people's attention is one of the hardest things about advertising because people are just being bombarded with things all the time. So being able to stand out and tell that story, which is why I do a lot of story marketing with my clients, because I think it is so important to stand out and to tell that interesting story. There, 
the brands that you recognize and think about, like obviously you think of Nike, they're people that stand for something where you, t- you just took a shoe and you made it into an icon. Um, you took an, you took insurance and you made it into something that people want to watch. I mean, those Super Bowl commercials that people sometimes watch the commercials for, I mean, it's a way to say, I'm going to remember, maybe not remember the product, but I remember the commercial, but the good brands, you remember the commercial and the product. I want to go more into making something boring, interesting. Do you have any advice or any tips on how you can make something like a boring, turn it into something interesting, something eye-catching? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I, so a great example is on LinkedIn, there are so many people who sell insurance and sell, you know, financial planning and real estate. Those are probably some of the most common people, networking events in general. And the people that I see it do the best are they're able to make it personal. And so people will share stories about their own lives where they'll talk about some story about something interesting or fun that happened to them. And it'll very loosely, if at all, be about insurance. And you'll be like, wow, it's so interesting. What was that about? And over the course of time, you recognize, oh, this is, they're talking about the importance of having life insurance because of these stories that they're telling us about people's lives. They're like, oh, I heard the story about this woman. You know, this guy who just on LinkedIn would just tell personal stories about people that he knew and how, you know, what happened to them when they died and their families. And it was like very touching and very like just these really great stories. And you find out he's like a life insurance salesman. He's not talking about life insurance ever. He never says, call me for your life insurance policy. He just talks about things that people connect with and relate to. And so I think that it's the human elements. People always buy an emotion. People don't think people don't buy as logically as they want to believe that they do. Oftentimes you you'll go with your heart and you'll be willing to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on something you're like felt right to me, you know, and it has to make, there has to be some logical sense behind it. But I think if you can make a personal connection with your story, it's important. And so what I always say is when I tell my clients is you got to make it a story, make it simple, and that'll make it stick. And so Mm. it's just something that can connect with people on a more intimate, personal level. Mm. I love to go into storytelling. I think sometimes we think that has to be really complicated. Like sometimes we think it doesn't, it can't be that simple. Like to tell a story, we have to kind of complicate it. But like, what are like some elements or some things that you do when you're telling a story? Like, what are some key elements? How do you make it simple? How do you make it relatable? Is there any like kind of format that you pick and like stick by? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think what's interesting is typically the most common problem that I see is people focus on benefits, like the product benefits. So the specific things of like, it can do this, it can do that, it can do these things. And they just talk about how great the product is or service. They'll be like, I went to this school, I did this thing, I did all these great stuff, but they're failing to talk to the pain points of their audience and what they care about. And so rather what you say is like, don't you hate it when this happened? Like that's what infomercials actually did well. It was an exaggerated process of that. They'd be like, oh, and these spills happen and like paper towels are a mess or, you know, it's way over exaggerated, but it's, it's telling a simple story where he said, well, here's the problem, here's the hero, and here's how the story is going to end with the solution of my product. And so it's telling that really simple like bedtime story that you would tell to a child and making your product or service the hero. And so it's always making sure that you're saying, here's the problem. You definitely understand that that's the bad guy. This is the problem. This is the, the issue that you're feeling negative about. The hero is going to be the product or service that I offer. And then the solution is going to be the resolution to this entire cycle where you're going to feel like things are living happily ever after in the end. And so 
you know, what you're able to do is to set up the, whoever the customer is there, they're going to be the hero and you're just going to help them solve that problem. So it's about making it into a simple bedtime story, but in a product selling way. When you have a brand and let's say you're telling stories, how often do you think it should be that you're kind of, you're kind of selling the product, but you're kind of not like you're selling the benefits, you're selling the pain points versus sharing content that maybe isn't necessarily about your product and sharing other content. How often do you think you should be balancing back and forth between like the different types of content? Yeah, I think it depends. I think different products and services and people lend themselves better to different types of things. So I heard the 80% rule from somebody who I respect on LinkedIn, for example, where they said 80% of what you talk about should be generally about your products and services not, not in the sense you're talking about yourself, but just that it has something to do with what directly you're doing. And then 20% could be relatable content, personal stories, things like that, because you are a person or your company has some personality and persona to it. But I think regardless of whatever you're talking about, you should always talk about less about yourself and more about your, your audience, because people like, like when you're at a party and you have a conversation with someone, and you ask them a lot of questions that person will leave the conversation thinking very highly of you. They'll think that person was great, but you barely talked about yourself at all. You just ask them questions about themselves and let them talk about themselves. And so if you can do that with your product or service, where you help them recognize, see themselves in their product about how they're going to have their problem solved and they're going to feel better. And they just kind of let them see themselves in what you're doing. They're going to like you and want to work with you more versus if you spend all this time talking about yourself. So generally speaking, people want to know that you're qualified or so if you have a service, they want to know that you're qualified. Or if you have a product, they want to know it's quality and it's going to hold up. But most of the focus should be on how you're going to solve their problem versus how great you are. If someone wants to start maybe their first brand or a new brand today, what things should they be thinking about today? Or what things should they be planning out for their brand at the very beginning? Yeah, I think brand messaging is the most important thing that is, and, and certainly one of the most important things that's overlooked early on. I think people are very excited about wanting to get a website up, wanting to get products going. Let's say you're selling a product. They want to get a website up. They want to get sales. They want to start making you know shipments and get a social media presence. And they just kind of are they're running. And sometimes I've worked with businesses who've been around for a few years and I kind of help them take a little bit of a step back and ask some simple questions. So Sometimes when you have a conversation with someone else, they can recognize something that you may have missed. Like I've had an hour conversation with someone and said, so what you're saying is this. And I just summarize it in one sentence. And they're like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we've well, just been talking for an hour. But like, it's something that really can be said in a sentence that that's what customers are going to want to know about. And so you kind of help them understand that. Make a manifesto, something that's like 30 seconds to a minute that you could listen to every day and feel like this is what I'm about. This is who my business is. This is why I'm inspired to do what I do every day. I think that's way overrated, especially on those hard days when you're not wanting to get up and go to work and things are a little bit tough. And I think having a brand deck about what's your vision, what's your purpose, what's your mission, who's your, who's your audience, what do they care about? How are you speaking to them? Where are you finding them? It just clarifies everything that you do. Sometimes people are just so busy, kind of, they get excited and they just sprint ahead and they forget to kind of say, whoa, 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 let's just like, let's get some vision and know where we're running before we take off. Mm-hmm. And if you were to start a new brand today and you can only pick two platforms to be on, which two would you want to be on? Platform like social media? Yeah. I think it really depends a little bit around what your product or service is. First of all, you'll know I'll say that I think LinkedIn is very underappreciated. 
And I think that's the frontier where a lot of business is being done. I think especially business to business, but even business to consumer, I've seen some really successful people just connect with because people are people, even if they're on a business platform, people selling coffee, like they have coffee brands they sell. I've seen successful. I bought coffee from this person who sells like basically a business to consumer brand. I think that's like a huge one. I just have this gut feeling and this is increasing that like Facebook is just very getting more oversaturated and it's just getting harder to break through and starting. I mean, I think it's starting to happen a little bit more with Instagram. I think that's still a good space. I think if you have a good following already, but if you're just starting off from scratch and you don't already have a good Instagram following on your personal page, I think it's just really hard because there's, again, it's, it's oversaturation. I don't know. I've, I mean, I've done both of those platforms and I just feel like people are ready to do business on LinkedIn. And I think that's the big one. I think YouTube's a cool place. If you can get good following and create good content there, I think people love video and following video. And if you can make a quick snippet that people can follow, I mean, that can be re- repurposed on other platforms, but there's so many new, there's so many new platforms, right? Like I've been looking into clubhouse more. That's mm-hmm. such a big thing that's been happening. TikTok, like, I just think you need to find the platform that works for you, that you're comfortable with using and where you feel like your audience is going to be. And I think that just changes based on who you are and who your audience is. I often compare it to like a diet. This, I think marketing is like a diet. Like you can't just say this is the one diet that's going to work and everyone has to do this. And if you're not doing this, then you're not going to lose weight and you're going to be unhealthy. I think there's different diets that work for different people and people can work for them and they can find effective. And I think that's how it is with marketing strategies. You just need to find the thing that works for you and then stick to it. And that's how you're going to see results. But I, I wouldn't, I just don't think in general, there's always just the one way. Cause I think that's why it's important to have a personalized partner with you. So they're not just taking a course where it's like, this is the one way to do it. Cause I've taken those courses before. And I feel like I'm like, that's not going to work for me for, you know, whatever reason. And now I just paid for this course that they just, it's a one size fits all. But if, if you don't fit, then you feel like there's something wrong with you. And let's say, let's say you had to start a new brand and you can only spend money on either the Facebook ads and the advertising and the Instagram, or you could spend money on the branding and getting really strategic about your brand voice and your content. Which one would you invest in? Well, I'll ask, I'll like, I'll just kind of put this out there. So if you invest into a lot of ads right away, Facebook ads and, 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 and just putting out a lot of like messaging, Google, but you don't know what you're saying. You don't know why it's important. You don't know who your audience really is. You just say, oh, just everyone's my audience. You could spend a lot of time and money getting very little results. And the reason I say that is because I've, I've heard that from people in these groups that I've been in who have started that way, who didn't clarify their messaging and who they were. And they struggled because Typically what they just say is they're like, here's my product, everyone. And they think they expect, and like similarly to me, after I graduated college, I just expected to get a job. Mm-hmm. I think they just expect to have people clamoring, knocking down their door as soon as they put it out there. And it's not to say they don't have a great product or service. I think that's the thing. There's a lot of great product and services. And that's why it's so hard because you need to stand out because it's not, you can't just say this product is great. It's like, I'm sure it is. And so are many others, but why would I choose you? And that's where the story comes in to place. And so I'm a firm believer and I, and I think it's hard because a lot of people view branding, especially as a luxury. Mm-hmm. They view it as they're in two places. They're either business is doing really well and they've maybe been around and they said, why would I need to invest into this? I'm already doing well. Not realizing that that could quickly 
take a downturn or they may level off because they won't be able to take things to the next level because they don't necessarily know where they're going. It's just kind of almost been somewhat luck and hard work that have made them get to that point or they're not doing well. And they're, they think, well, why would I put money into this? I don't have money to spend not recognizing that that would be the step that would put them to the next level to know who they are and who they're speaking to. So to answer your question, I think branding is underrated and underappreciated. And I think if you, if you're the brand in your space that decides to invest into it, I think people are going to notice because of the effort that you put into make sure that your message is clarified. And it's way more than just a logo. Like I think a lot of people think of branding as I got my logo. I did my branding. And I also tell people, it would be like handing a picture of a stranger to someone and saying, now tell me about this person. You know, if you don't set up who the brand is, then you're just looking at a picture of a stranger. And that's kind of what a logo can be. If you don't also invest into understanding some of the more of the depth behind it and making sure your audience understands that. I love your post. You made a post about what branding is and how it's actually a lot more than just what we think. Now it's actually a lot more complex. And I would love for you to go into that, like what branding means to you and how it's actually a lot more than just, you know, your logo or just a certain thing. Like what does branding mean to you? And like, if you go more into the complexities of how so many things affect your branding. Yeah, it can. So it it can be complex, but it's also kind of can be simple too, because ultimately at the end of the day, you should be able to look at a brand deck and feel within 20 pages, you're like, that's it. Like, that's who I am and that's what I'm about. And that's why I started this business and that's where we're going. And that's who I'm talking to. It's, you know, I've talked to many clients who just feel like it's like this, it's like this sense of when you're trying to communicate something and you're struggling and you keep like snapping your fingers and saying, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, and you just keep pointing at someone and and then they just complete the sentence for you. And you're like, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. And I feel like that's what I've heard from a lot of clients is that sense of it's what I've been trying to say. It's, it's what I've been, it's in my head, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I haven't been able to say it and, and to see it on paper just gets me excited. It gives me clarity. It gives me vision because branding is first of all, understanding who you are, right? Because you got to understand who you are before your audience is going to understand who you are. Because, you know, in, in, in this recent post, like you, you have to make sure that when your audience sees you that they, they know that you're absolutely the one that they need to work with. That's going to mean saying something about who you are that might repel some people mm-hmm. that they may say like, no, that's not for me. Like, oh my gosh, that no way. Immediately, just not even giving you a second look. And if people aren't doing that, then you don't have a brand because that means that people think if everyone thinks that you're for them, that means nobody really thinks you're for them. Yeah. And so I think that that's the misconception that people have. So the value of branding is, it puts down your vision, your goals, and your your why. So why you started this brand. Like, what's the purpose? Like, if you say, like, I want to empower women to, you know, finally feel good about the way that they look without all these social pressures behind them. That's my why. That's why I created this, this company. Okay, so that's a great start. So now what are we going to do? What's the next step for this business? What's our What's our goals? What's our mission? Okay, let's establish that. And then ultimately, who are we speaking to? Why should they care? And then how are we going to get there? specific marketing strategies. Are we going to go on LinkedIn? Are we going to run Facebook ads? That's the last thing you should worry about. You got to establish all these other things first before you try to build a business. If you don't have the foundation, then it's just going to be on a wobbly, wobbly ground, so to speak. And so I think what people fail to recognize is that branding, like you said, is not just a logo. It's everything that goes into a logo. And if you, if you do it the right way, 
a logo should have a deep representation. Like you see that swoosh, Nike swoosh, like mm-hmm. that represents trillions of dollars of investment mm-hmm. into a brand, into what are my customers going to feel when they are wearing this? What are they going to feel when they see this on their shoes? What are they going to, what's, why would they spend twice as much on this swoosh than they would on just some generic shoe that may potentially be as good? It's all the branding that goes in behind the messaging. Just do it. Like we can achieve great things. We're going to get there together. So imagine your brand, whatever that is, and why people should care about it that much. Yeah. Yeah. And for someone who maybe has a brand, but they don't have like that bold voice yet. Like they don't have that kind of repelling kind of like, it's not for everyone, that brand. Right. What advice would you give them to kind of turn on that bold voice or let that bold voice be shown? Yeah. I think an important thing to distinguish too is your personal brand and who you are may not always be your business brand completely. Just like, you know, when you go to the office, you're still yourself, but you're not always going to be the exact same person with your best friends out at the bar as you're going to be with your colleagues at an, in a meeting, right? You're still the same person. And you're just showing a different side of who you are. So I think that's important to recognize. So if you have so just because your personal brand, even if you're a solopreneur, may not be your business brand. Those might be slightly different personas. And so I think what you have to understand is who are you talking to and what do they care about? And then making sure that whoever you are speaking to really connects with what you're saying and that you're not just trying to appeal to everyone. Because like I said, if you're trying, if everyone's trying, if you're trying to make everyone like you, then people generally see right through that. And they may like you, but they're not going to love you. You know, they're not going to say, this is the person I absolutely have to work with. Like, so when you talk about a bold statement, I think if you say, like going back to the example, if you say, never work out for someone else, like that's your tagline. Like that's a, that's somewhat a bold statement to make that some people are going to say, well, I I don't agree with that. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that's you. And other people are going to say, yes, like that is every time I wake up, that's what I say to myself. I need to work with this person. So Rather than if you just say like working out is healthy and good for your mental health, most people would say, okay, yeah, like I agree with that, but no one, is anyone going to get amped up and sit up in their chair and say, yes, this is the person I absolutely need to work with. Probably not because you're saying something that everyone agrees with. So that's just an example of, and it's not like you have to say something negative or controversial. It's just, you have to say something. And so when you're trying to figure that out, you need to dive into who am I, who am I speaking to, and what do they really care about? You know, and that that goes into your brand, right, of what we talked about, your why. Why am I doing this? What's the purpose behind this? What's, how do I want people to feel after working with me or after buying my product? And making sure you're communicating that clearly in everything that you say and do. I'd love for you to go into LinkedIn. And have you always been active on LinkedIn or is that something recently that you've been starting to pour more energy into and what benefits have you seen from being more active on there? Uh, the biggest benefit was meeting you and getting on this podcast. No, I've only been doing LinkedIn for two months, two months now. I started in, in the beginning of March. It's now the beginning of May. And the reason I got into it was because I've always, I always wanted to get into that community and I've heard great things, but I haven't really dove into it that much. And immediately, as soon as I did, it was just, like I said, it was encouraging and I found support and I would post things like some days I would just say like, Hey, I'm distracted. Like I do not feel like working today. 
Like I'm my, my personal life is affecting my work life. And I would post that and I'd be like, why did I post that? That's so stupid. Like everyone's going to think I'm an idiot and like, I'm not a good worker and they're not going to want to work with me. And then I would get like 50 interactions and like a hundred comments and people would say, Oh my gosh, I feel like this all the time. And like hang in there and here's what I do. And just like, I'm just like overwhelmed with just like support. And I think that speaks to your brand too, because it's, it's about being vulnerable. It's about being real. It's about understanding that at the end of the day, we're all people. And so if I were to only post things saying like, Hey, do my branding and here's the benefits to you and contact me at 1-800-BRANDING and people would just say, okay, like they're used to that. They see ads. And if I say mm-hmm. something to the effect of like, I feel like a loser today, people are going to read that and be like, that's how I feel sometimes. Like, what's mm-hmm. this guy about? And it's not like, I try to like avoid doing that all the time because I want it to be how I'm really feeling. But if I'm really feeling that way, then I, I post it. I think you posted something that was pretty vulnerable too recently, if, if I recall. And, and you got a great following from that too. And it just shows that people want to respond and maybe even do business with you because of that, because they mm-hmm. do connect with you on that personal level. Yeah. I post a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things on there, but yeah, yeah the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I only started posting there about three weeks, uh, four weeks ago. Well, I started posting differently was the key is they started posting okay. differently than it was before. Cause before I wasn't getting anything like it was like crickets. <laughs> and so I totally changed everything about how I was posting and then the last about three to four weeks have actually started to get some traction, which is nice. But yeah, I'm, I'm surprised because it's, sometimes it's the things that I think will do well that don't do well. And then I'll post something else and it does well. And I was like, why did that do well? <laughs> like, right. like, I didn't understand that. But yeah, but yeah, it's such a, what I love about the LinkedIn community is it feels very supportive. Have you felt that? Like it's very supportive, very, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that too. And I think that's why an earlier question I encourage people to get on LinkedIn because it's very supportive. And so you could jump on, create your profile and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I I'm in college or I just graduated college and I just, I don't even know what I don't know. And just start posting to that effect and just start, don't be afraid to connect with people. If they, if they seem interesting, send them an invitation to connect. So the, the, the way I've looked at it differently, right. Is on my personal page for Instagram or or Facebook, if I don't know you, I'm not going to connect with you. Mm. Like, that's just how I am. Like some people are different. So if someone on Facebook is like, so-and-so is asking to be your friend on Facebook, I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't, not only am I not comfortable sharing my information with you, but also I don't care about your updates because I don't even know who you are. But on LinkedIn, it's a completely different mentality for everyone, I think, because it's like going to a networking events where like, if someone wants to connect with me, I'm like, yeah, let's connect. You know, if someone wants to chat with me, I'm like, yeah, let's chat. Like it's about meeting new people that you don't know and and expanding your professional network. So if you're new and you're struggling, just get on there and start posting stuff, connecting with people, sharing whatever you're thinking, just post being like, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Does anyone have any thoughts? Cause I'm like totally lost and people will help you and just get going. Yeah. Yeah. It it just feels different than any other platform. I don't know if you feel that, but it feels very different than like an Instagram or like Facebook. It like feels very feels like very different energy, which I like. Yeah, it is. And I think, I think there's some, I mean, I, who knows, but this is just my opinion is it's a professional platform. So somewhere inside of everyone, I feel like there's some sense of feeling like it's a virtual office somehow where I feel like even the comments I see are much more tame. And yes, sometimes they're inappropriate, but they just seem more tame and more reasonable and subtle 
and people just seem more respectful mm-hmm. and that could change on a dime as this platform grows. But I think that's a part of it versus for whatever reason on Facebook and, and Instagram, people feel more entitled to just be unfiltered. Yeah. And I don't know why, if it's because it's personal versus business, but business. Also, I feel like there's an older community on LinkedIn mm-hmm. of people like boomers and others who are probably very active, who I've talked to, who seem to like that as their favorite social media. Mm-hmm. It's gen- multi-generational, right? Mm-hmm. People from Gen Z to boomers. And I don't think I've talked to anyone older than boomers because they're probably retired, but mm-hmm. it's been a great, and it's been a great experience. Yeah. Well, I th- what I think is interesting is it creates accountability, you know, because when you comment on something, everyone sees that. So your community sees what you're commenting on. Right. So I think having that extra step of how everyone's going to see your comment because it's going to show up on their feed. It's going to show up. David commented on this post. I think having that extra layer of accountability where if they look through your activity or they look on their feed and they say, they say David commented so-and-so, I think adding that extra layer, I think that's why it's that way. Yeah. And I think I mentioned to you that when you would comment on something, I trusted you so that I would then read, okay, what did she comment on? Because I mm-hmm. trust her opinion on something. So I'm curious to see what she's, she's interested in. So it actually builds your accountability through your commenting too, because people see what you're all about and what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to go into your furlough story and being furloughed. Right. <laughs> and what, what has being furloughed um, taught you? And if you could go I, into like yeah. that whole story. I have story. to listen to your furlough story because I didn't yeah. realize that there was a full length yeah. version. So I'll have to listen <laughs> to that. But yeah, so... So anytime you're fired or furloughed, it doesn't feel good because yeah. it's, I've often likened working relationships like dating relationships. And when you are fired, it's basically, you're just getting, you're getting dumped. You're getting kicked to the curb hardcore. Like them just saying, I never want to see you again. Grab, grab your stuff, get out. And so, yeah. So even before that, I, I had a job that I was fired from that I mentioned before I had this current job. So I've now been fired and furloughed. So it's been, it's been its experience. So the prior job before that, it was just, it was really started off really well. This is why I talk about it like a relationship started off really well. Like we were just getting along and like everything was great. And, you know, I felt like nine months in, we started seeing some trouble and confusion and we just weren't communicating well. And they, they were just getting really busy and they didn't have time to meet with me. So it was a small business. There's only five, six people. And so my boss just was busy and just didn't always have the time to help me understand what he was looking for. And so I don't think I took enough autonomy for myself to just go ahead and do things because he had done a lot of the work that I was doing up until that point. And so I think it was a challenge for him to let go of some of that. And so it was a very, so then I got, I got dumped eventually where it just ended up being one of those relationships that, you were just kind of felt blindsided by and you thought you were going to get married and, you know, then they just totally dumped you. But the next job I had was this, was I was working at um, Land's End and they're a giant clothing manufacturer. So as retail got hit pretty bad during the pandemic, I was blindsided too, because I think I was naive to think I had the kind of job that I could work remote. Mm -hmm. And so I just assumed I would work remote. And I did for two, two weeks, you know, that mid-March of 2020 and mm-hmm. when things started locking down and I just worked from home and I thought, yeah, this will be, this will be fine. I can do all my work from home and this won't be a problem. And um, we got an email about a week and a half in saying, Hey, you're going to be furloughed. And I was like, that can't be mm-hmm. for us. 
that must be for the the warehouse workers. That can't be for us because we, why would we be furloughed? We can work remotely. And then they said, okay, it's going to be two weeks. And so I was like, okay. And first I was a little nervous. And then the pandemic unemployment stuff kicked in. I was like, okay, this isn't, so I'll be okay. I'm going to be okay. Kind of felt like a vacation, like a two week paid vacation. And then they said, okay, now we're going to add another three weeks onto that. So it's going to be five weeks. And I was like, okay, it's getting a little long. I'm starting to forget what I was even working on at this point. And I said, now we're going to add another three weeks on. So it's going to be eight weeks total. So I was like, I'm not coming back. And you're in a weird limbo when you're furloughed. And you probably felt this way too, because Mm -hmm. you're not, it's like going on a break with someone you're dating where it's like, we're not broken up, but are we like the Mm -hmm. Ross Rachel thing? We were on a break. So it kind of feels like that when you're furloughed, because you're not getting paid. You're not working. You're not going into the office or interacting with any of your coworkers, but technically you still work there. Mm -hmm. And so you just feel like you're stuck. And so the biggest blessing I could get was finally getting broken up with because then I felt free to be like, okay, I can figure out what I want to do next. Cause up until this point, I felt like, "Ah, should I look for another job? Should I keep waiting? I don't know what to do. So being furloughed is really hard because of that reason. I don't know. What was your, what was your feeling? It was like a gray line. You know, it was like it's such a gray line stereo because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You kind of hope it was going to happen. I had a similar scenario to you where I ended up, it was supposed to only be four weeks and then it ended up being about 12 weeks and then I got hired back. Yeah. But definitely during those 12 weeks, I was definitely questioning like, is it coming back? Is it not coming back? Do I look for different jobs? What's going to happen? But yeah. But yeah, it makes such a good sense for you to explain it as a relationship I didn't think about it that way but now that you're saying it I was like yeah it it is like a relationship kind of yeah yeah because you have a relationship with your company yeah like and that that I think is why so the so when I always go with that analogy with what you're which with what I think about is this idea of kind of like sometimes they're into you more than you're into them Mm-hmm. And so that feels that way with your company, where it's just like sometimes you're really into your company, but they're just yeah. kind of like, you're just you're just some person I'm dating right now. Like I really don't care. We're not getting married. Yeah. Like I might break up with you in a few months. And I think that hurts. Yeah. Um, because sometimes people get really attached to their companies, especially when they're young. When you get your first few jobs, you're thinking this is this is the one, like mm-hmm. this is it. And they get really it, and it feels personal then when you're fired mm-hmm. or you're laid off. It feels really personal because because you're, you're new to this, you just graduated college and you just thought, they, they, they just dumped me? Like, they got, it's like your first time you get dumped, you're just like, I can't believe this happened. But as like, I've been in the workforce more, I just realized, you know, it's not, it's not personal, it's just business. Like, yeah. it's always just business. Like, you cannot count on this business to care about you as a person, no matter what they say in their company culture thing. Because at the end of the day, if the financials don't work out, they got to make the right decision for the bottom line. They're not going to keep you on just because they like you because yeah. you're a nice person. I mean, even if you're doing good rate, good, great work, they, they may not be able to afford to keep you on. Yeah. And how was that a catalyst for you to start your business or were you thinking of starting a business earlier or were you like, this is like the catalyst I needed in order to create it? I've been doing like freelance work, uh, mm-hmm. freelance writing. But at the time last summer, when I was finally laid off after my furlough, it made more sense to start my own business. It it wasn't the risky move. It was a smart move because I contacted a lot of my old contacts that I had at different agencies and different places. And they all said the same thing. They all said, 
they all pretty much just said um, we're a hiring freeze or we're still laying people off or we're not really sure what what's coming next. And so that was like June, July, August last year. And so I was just like, I don't think it makes sense for me to just sit here and twiddle my thumbs and mm-hmm. hope for the best. You know, that's what I just did for the last two months furloughed. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm tired of sitting around waiting for people to sit by the phone, hoping that girl will call me back. So I basically, it's all relationship analogies. Yeah. <laughs> so basically I just decided to take the bull by the horns and just go out, you know, go out to the clubs and just start looking for somebody to be with, you know, and that was what I did with my business. And I just decided to say, look, I'm going to do freelance writing and start offering a service that I find very valuable to these companies that I love working with. Mm -hmm. That's how it started. But then when I would work with them, I'd say, can you show me your brand deck? Can you show me your uh, manifesto, your tone of voice? And, you know, half the time they'd say, we don't really have that. It's business professional, but, casual or something you know and they just give me a general vibe and i'd say you know this is really important like you gotta who are you talking to they're like well we're talking to people who would be interested in buying from us and i'm like Mm. but who is that (laughs) and sometimes they didn't really know Mm. they're just they were very general and so i realized how important it was to start creating this content for them so that they could know so creating a manifesto a brand deck an audience reports making sure that that content was consistent in their websites in their messaging, in everything that they put out, and you know their social media included. So I kind of shifted my business in the fall to focusing on branding, and it's been a lot of fun. I work mm-hmm. with outside the box brands to help them clarify their message and increase their qualified leads, but we have fun doing it. So mm-hmm. I usually get on the phone and I'll say, "Hey, can you?" They say, "So what do you do?" And I say, "Let me ask you a question. Can you define your business in one sentence?" And they're like, "Uh, um, and um." And I say, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have fun figuring that out. And then we're going to make fun. We're going to have fun making that a part of your business. And they're like, all right, let's do it. Because it is fun. Because yeah. it's a story. Who doesn't love a story? A good story. We're going to make your brand a part of a great story. And so let's do that together. And I think when you present it to them in that way, they understand the value of it. And they're also excited about getting started because it doesn't sound like, oh, we're going to do some boring marketing research. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we're going to do research and we're going to explore, but like, we're going to do it in a way that makes sense for your brand. Mm -hmm. Am I outside the box? Why not inside the box? (laughs) So I felt like with inside the box brands, people generally know what you do and who you are, or they think they do. So if you, if I told somebody, so this is what I found. So if I told somebody, they're like, so what do you do? And I said, I'm an accountant. People know generally what that is. Or if you say like, I'm a teacher, People generally have an idea in their head of what that is. But if you said like, I'm a brand strategist, people would be like, think something like Mark. So like already there's this misunderstanding. So then I have to add a caveat to say, it's like, I'm a brand strategist. So I help that like a little add on kind of like on LinkedIn, how you have that sentence or so to describe who you are and what you do. And so what I found was that businesses that had a little bit more needed a little bit more of an explanation than just a job title or what they do, like we're a restaurant or something, Mm -hmm. decided that they identified with that way of thinking, right? They were like, I'm an outside the box brand. Like, I feel like people don't know who I am. They don't get what I'm all about. I need help explaining that to the world. And to be honest with you, even businesses like accounting firms and like teachers, or just for example, they also have a story to tell, but just people make assumptions about who they are based on, you know, what they've heard but they could tell a unique story if they wanted. 
and just say, you know, whatever they wanted to say about, you know, I help businesses make numbers fun. Oh, that's interesting. Right. That I'm the accountant who makes your taxes fun. Like that could be your whole brand. And yeah. like, now you have, now you're telling a story that people yeah. are interested in hearing. I love for you to go in deeper into your personal life, affecting your business life. Yeah. And kind of, kind of like realizing it, recognizing it, letting it happen. Or what do you think about that? Should you, should you not let your business affect your personal life? Or do you think you should allow it to affect your personal life? Or do you think they should be intermingled? Yeah. So when I posted that, I said, I got just an outpouring of support. It was just Mm -hmm. great. And I read everything. I read every post that people said, I commented on all of them. I think you may have commented on one of those. And the biggest piece of information I pulled out of is it's foolish. And and I, a part of me knew this, but it's good to hear. It's foolish to think you can separate your personal life from your business life. Mm. It's foolish because you just have a life. And so someone asked me the question, they're like, haven't you ever been at home and worried about something going on at work? And haven't you ever been at work and worried about something that's going on at home? Mm. So what are we doing? What are we talking about here? Like separating work having work-life balance, all that kind of stuff there. It's just, it's just life. There's no work life. It's just life. And so when someone said that to me, I just super appreciated kind of their perspective on that because I, I understood that I'm like, that is so true because I think that's important for us all to remember is that you can't just compartmentalize different parts of your life and make them into easier digestible things because they're going to, things are going to overflow and they're going to affect different parts of your life. So you know, when, when something in your personal life happens, it would be foolish to think, okay, I'm just going to flip the switch, turn off my feelings and just be in work mode now. Um, and I think a lot of people think that they can do that and, or wish that they could do that or pretend that they can do that. Unfortunately, I think especially the men that I've talked to feel like they can just turn off their emotions and be like, all right, I'm just going to focus on work now and shut off all my feelings, which is just not possible. And what's something you're really excited about right now? Yeah, (laughs) I didn't expect that question. So what I'm really excited about right now is honestly is, is, is seeing the growth of my business from LinkedIn. So I was getting a lot of word of mouth marketing mostly, I haven't really invested into paying for ads. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of just kind of word of mouth, but when I got on LinkedIn and just started posting content and I committed to doing it every day, I had people reaching out to me, I messenger and saying, let's work together. And, and they're great people with amazing, exciting outside the box brands that I can work with. And that's exciting to me because somebody who reaches out to me, who wants to work with me because of who I am and because of my personality and because of my expertise, like that's exciting because yeah, I can pitch someone. I could get on a call and cold pitch them or and maybe I'd work with them, but we're going to go back to the dating analogy. It feels good to have somebody ask you out. Yeah. Like, especially somebody you find attractive, even if you're not going to date them, you're just like, that feels really good to be noticed, to be noticed and to have you want to work with me versus cold pitching feels like going up to a stranger at a bar and asking them out and having them say, just turn around and not even say anything. That's just like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. And so that's kind of why I'm excited to have an opportunity to say, here's who I am. Here's what I can do. Here's what we can do together and have someone say, yeah, I want to do that. Let's do it. I want to pay you to do this because I respect and appreciate 
how what you offer is going to turn my business into something even more successful. That's what we all want to do. Yeah. Everything goes back to that. Everything just goes back to dating. I know it's on my mind for some reason. I don't know why. And what's something that most people don't know about you? Why are the simple questions the hardest ones? Um, <laughs> I get some interesting responses from that one. So I always have to ask. People, most people don't know about me. I think something that most people don't know about me is I'm really, I'm really, really hard on myself. And I think sometimes I exude, like I have it all figured out or that I am super confident when oftentimes like you, I do feel like anyone like insecure or just like, oh man, I should have done better on that thing. Or I, I could have done better on this and kind of those perfectionist tendencies. And I think because I can be laid back, I think people are surprised to hear that I feel that way, that I can have those perfectionist tendencies. Cause I'm, I, I, the reason I'm laid back is because I try to convince myself like, okay, it's like, it's not a big deal. It's going to be okay to kind of help soothe my own desire to make sure everything is perfect. So I think that's probably some, I, I'm, I was even, I was just talking to my parents a few weeks ago and they were like, we didn't even really know that about you. So mm-hmm. it went from my parents not even knowing a few weeks ago to now everyone who listens to this podcast is going to know. So mm-hmm. great question. <laughs> <laughs> and what's something you're manifesting right now? So honestly, like, again, this probably can sound maybe cliche, but I feel like I'm manifesting success because up until a couple months ago, I think there's part of me in the back of my mind that just didn't believe that success was possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe everyone feels that way to a certain extent. They just think, yeah, things have been going well so far, but that's been luck or, you know, for, or anything. But probably coinciding coincidentally with starting on LinkedIn, I started to believe success not only is possible, but is going to happen. And that if I put in the work, if I put in the effort that people have genuinely responded well to me and when they work with me, they really are, they like it. Mm -hmm. And, and I need to believe that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what I kind of realized. And I, that's why I think things have continued to just grow with my impact on LinkedIn, because it's just, I'm changing the way that I view myself through daily. I am statements saying I'm successful. I'm smart. I'm capable. I'm someone people want to work with because those things are true. Mm-hmm. I just need to believe them. So I think mm-hmm. I've started to manifest those more and that's affected my business even like made it even more successful, which has just been, it's, it's crazy to think that that the way you think about things can impact your life, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. What, did you realize that? Like, did you have that realization that I don't actually believe success is possible for me or was it kind of you just realized in your behaviors that that was a story you were telling yourself? I, th- I think I literally just realized it. Like I, I have a business coach that I work with and mm-hmm. she helped me recognize that. So I guess, so I, so I guess she helped me recognize that really, but mm-hmm. through the way that I was just talking, I was like, yeah, I'm doing well now, but like you know, yeah, that client, <laughs> that client really, that client really liked working with me, but yeah. you know, and then she's like, do you, do you hear what you're, you're doing? You're really putting out this sense of, there's only been primarily positive things happening that, you know, you're getting more clients, people enjoy working with you, the work you're doing is having an impact on their business, but you keep mm-hmm. making almost these excuses of thinking that those are exceptions somehow, mm-hmm. and that there's no reason to believe that this would continue. And so when I realized that that was what I was doing, 
as almost a defense mechanism to perhaps protect myself to say, in case it doesn't work out, then I was prepared for that. As opposed to thinking like, no, like only positive things have happened. I need to start Mm -hmm. believing it. Mm -hmm. Is there any rituals or anything you're doing every day when you notice that story comes up or is there, are you doing journaling or what are you doing for that story? Yeah, I am statements are surprisingly simple and alarmingly effective (laughs) at just calming a like crazy mind um, and helping me to remind myself of the truths. And if I feel myself saying a but, then I just say it over and over again until I don't Mm. mentally hear myself saying that anymore. And then for me, it's, um, it's morning prayer. And for, for me getting into the Bible, and just making sure I'm getting myself right, and meditating on that. Those two things usually set me up for a amazing day. And on the days that I'm so busy, that I don't take the time to do those, I feel like I get less work done than when I take the time to do those things. So it's important to set your mind right in the morning. Otherwise, your whole day is gonna just spiral. And when did you start working with Coach? In February. February. And what's yeah. one of the biggest things you've learned from her? Mindset. Yeah. Mindset is huge. And it's it speaks to what I just was uh, referencing where you have to believe the truths that are actually happening. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't, like, what kind of life is that to live if every time something good happens to you, you're like, this is an exception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't expect this to keep happening. But I think a lot of people live their life that way. They mm-hmm. just, they expect the worst. And they're like, when something good happens, they're like, okay, yeah, this is, this was good, but I'm not, I'm not expecting this to ever happen again. And then if it happens again, they're like, all right, well, to a certain extent, like you can't expect them to keep happening if you're not having the mindset of expecting it. So I think that's played a big difference. And also just learning those key business elements of actually just tracking um, your success financially through just simple business tracking, which has just been kind of a revelation to, because I'm, you know, I'm a creative, I don't necessarily work with numbers. So I think having a general better understanding of keeping your own personal books just helps you to understand your, that you are being successful by seeing the numbers. You're like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Hmm. And what's something that you're learning right now? I'm learning LinkedIn still. I'm actually going to hire a LinkedIn coach this week Mm -hmm. too. So I think that was what I'd always say is always be, be self-aware being self-aware is so important. So like I hired a business coach because I said, I need someone to help me get over this hump. Like I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm doing well, but I somehow don't believe I am. That doesn't seem right. I need someone to help me with that. And then they really have and help me with mindset. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm like, I'm doing well, but I feel like I could be doing better if I had a better, like specifically targeted LinkedIn strategy that would be more effective than me just trying to kind of figure it out. Like it's been working, but like if I work with someone who knows what they're doing, it'll be faster and and easier to find that success. So that's something that I'm looking forward to because I've already seen success through just having no real knowledge of how to do it other than reading some articles online. So now to work with someone who's worked with big brands who have found success and have a specific strategy and plan is going to hopefully make things go forward. So anyone who's listening, always ask for help. Like always be aware of what your strengths are be willing to acknowledge your weaknesses and don't just try to cover them up. Like if you ask for help, generally people will help you and they like helping you and they actually feel closer to you because they get to help you. Mm -hmm. And you can always find success and learn from it. But 
being self-aware is the hardest part of that because mm. you even the best barber can't cut their own hair very well and so you just need someone to help you see that as well mm-hmm. and if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self what advice would you give him I would say oh, man that's such a hard question because you so the, that question always brings up the idea of like and maybe other listeners have said this too is if I tell myself something and that changes my life like I, I want to avoid the mistakes, but then if I make the mistakes, that helps me learn and grow from them. So I guess what I'd probably say is to to not be afraid, to not be so afraid of making mistakes, to feel like you need to get the absolutely perfect job and everything needs to line up the exact way that you think it's supposed to go. Like I'm supposed to get the job and get married and get the house and have the kids and like, don't be so worried about following the plan. Just go for it. Because like if I was 20 finishing up a couple more years of college. And I just went right into portfolio school and was like, I'm going to do this and get, I mean, I would have saved me like three, four years of just wandering around and crashing, crashing into police cars, which would have been nice. So that's one thing. And then to never be afraid to leave where you are to go where you want to be, because this has been shown, I think through psychology that people would much rather be in a bad situation that's known than a great situation that's unknown because they're just more comfortable with what they know. And so people will stay at bad jobs way longer than they should. They'll people will stay in bad relationships way longer than they should because they're like, well, I know what it is. And they're too afraid to go outside the box and try something different and experience something new because it's scary and unknown. And I definitely felt that, especially in my early twenties, because I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to screw it up. So I was like, I can't screw this up. I got to do it the right way. And then I tried so hard not to screw it up that I felt like I was just screwing it up worse that if I wasn't afraid to fail, I would have taken more risks. I would have done things sooner than just procrastinating them because I was too scared to get started. So that's what I would tell anyone too, is if there's an idea in your, if there's an, if there's something on your heart, there's an idea in your head and you've been sitting on it for years because you're like, now's not the right time or maybe things will get better or I don't want to take that risk. Just do it. Because otherwise you'll sit there and be like, there's like three years there that I just waited for no reason specifically while life just passed me by because I didn't want to take that leap. So especially in your 20s, if you're single, just take the leap. It's going to be okay. You'll land on your feet. Like as long as you're not making a huge million dollar investment, like it's going to be okay. And any final thoughts? Um, yeah. I mean, I think based on people, you know, shit show of the 20s, I would say that there's a reason why this show title exists it's because a lot of people feel that way, obviously about their twenties. And I know like I did just jumping from like job to job to job and just feeling like, you know, I'm 32 now. And looking back, I was like, where did my twenties go? Like I was just jumping around. And so be present in where you're at and, you know, be aware of where you've been, be present with where you're at and have a vision of where you want to go. And doing all those things well is going to lead to the most fulfilling time in your twenties. If you're too busy focused on like where you were, then it just is going to, you're going to get lost in that. And if you're always looking at where you want to be, then you're going to miss the moment. So I think all those things are important to experience. And I wish I had done a better job of that because then your twenties are over before you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just enjoy it, learn from it, grow from it and don't be too hard on yourself. Cause I think we all have a tendency to be our own harshest critics. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you. And where can people find you online? Uh, they can, well, if you can spell my name, I don't know, com. 
connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to uh, connect with you as well and help you out. If you have any questions, I'm always willing to chat with anybody who's interested just to give them some advice or thoughts. And if you just want, like I said, check out my website and just kind of get a free brand voice guide. You can sign up for that as well. And there's some great ways to just connect with other people too on LinkedIn. So it's definitely worth the investment of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.